All right. Well, as Mandy said, I'm David Jensen. This is my wife, Tara. Uh, we've been married for 24 years, seven months and 22 days today. Uh, actually, today is the exact 9,000th day of our wedding, so of our marriage. So it just worked out to be an even number. Uh, we have two adult children that we love really uh, a lot. There they are. Uh, you might see me if you're in the coffee shop. Uh, but we also really love our empty nest. They are both in college and out of the house. Uh, we love it when they're home. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, we also believe that healthy couples laugh a lot. Um, and we believe that mostly that comes from their ability to laugh at themselves. So we want to share a picture with you and invite you to laugh at us. I mean, with us. Um, this is from Halloween 2005. Um, most of you don't know Tara, but if you can't tell from this picture, she's all in with whatever she does. She's committed. Um, it took her about six months to grow that mustache, but I think it really turned out well. So thank you for laughing with us in that moment. Um, so getting into the meat of the story, I grew up in a really volatile home We called ourselves Christians and went to church all the time, but everyone was selfish and no one really lived like Christ mattered to them. But even in that environment, I made a decision to follow Christ when I was five. Uh, My father would frequently rage at the slightest mistake, and so from years of abuse, uh, he taught me that I was unwanted, I was hopeless, and I was worthless. Uh, In grade school through college, I was desperate to feel accepted and become Uh, I became a relationship chameleon where I just, with friends, did whatever I needed to to become accepted through humor or just being likable to get affirmation from them. At the same time, I was using internet porn to cope with feelings of inadequacy. Um, All the while on the outside, I looked like the model Christian. Um, I also grew up with Christian parents that taught me to serve the Lord and do right. Uh, I was really close to my dad, and he was heavy on rules and judgment and light on grace and understanding. I started a relationship with Jesus at an early age, but I really spent most of my teen and early adult years confused about grace and feeling like God was mad at me more than he loved me. I worked really hard to be pleasing, and I grew in self-righteousness. So in the early years of our marriage, when Tara um, would respond to me after I made a mistake, that felt a lot like my dad, uh, so I didn't feel safe with her. I felt like there was no way I could tell her I was struggling with porn or that I resented her. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. After eight years of marriage, we were active in the church. We had a three and a five-year-old. Tara led worship, and I led the tech team. On the outside, we were really active in the church and viewed as church leaders. But I was done playing church and pretending to love a God that I thought was angry at me and who I viewed like my dad. Um, So I wanted to feel loved. Out of the hurt and loneliness that I was experiencing, I did what I never thought I would do. And in a span of six months, I had two affairs. Tara found out about the first one, but not the second one. And she was so hurt and angry from the first one um, that I was convinced if she found out about the second one that it would really be over. 
So my performance mindset and doubts about God's love for me resulted in my having unreasonable expectations of myself and then of David. I had no grace to offer as I had not truly come to believe in God's grace for myself. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I was devastated by David's unfaithfulness and did not see my own part for quite a while. I had no idea how I would be able to go on with him, or if he would even stay with me. One Sunday at church, the Lord spoke to my heart. When our pastor was teaching on the story of Nathan the prophet rebuking King David in 2 Samuel 12, the Lord so clearly said to me, I will bring a Nathan to your David. Will you trust me and wait for me? A few weeks later, David started a counseling group with a new counselor someone found for him. After his first meeting, he said that this guy was different, and he said things he had never heard before, and he was really hopeful that this man could help him. I was not encouraged because I was so hurt and angry, but I asked him what the man's name was, and when he said Nathan, my heart dropped to my stomach, and I knew that God was with me no matter what was going to happen next. I was sitting in Nathan's office on Good Friday of 2007, and the Holy Spirit started wrestling with me and wouldn't let me go. He told me, if you're ever going to be the man that I created you to be, you've got to finally be honest with everyone and trust me with what happens. I felt confident that my marriage would be over when I um, thought about telling Tara everything, But in that moment, it became more important to me to be reconciled with God than to save my marriage. That Easter Saturday, I told her everything. And it remains the darkest day of both of our lives. In the years that followed, I wanted to be a godly man. God got a hold of me. I saw that there was a path forward. Um... Tara was working through her own issues, but I wanted to be a godly man, husband, and dad. But I had no role models, no community, no re-engage, and no clue. To complicate this, Tara had a lot of anger and hurt towards me, which is obviously understandable. I felt alone trying to figure out not just how to love Tara, but how to love her at her worst. We call this when I was trying to learn how to hug the porcupine. It was really painful. Um, As I would try to do what I thought was loving, I would miss her and hurt her all over again. No matter how hard I tried, it just wasn't enough. I selfishly just wanted to make her happy so that she would just calm down and really just leave me alone. I was desperate for God to show up, and he did. I started devouring the Bible and other books, and I listened to hundreds of hours of sermons while I commuted. Most of the truth wasn't new, but my heart was um, finally ready to receive it. He started showing me how selfish and prideful I was. Once I saw the ugliness of my heart, I had more compassion and care for Tara, and God's love started flowing through me rather than my manufactured love. 
I still had a long way to go to gain the skills needed to navigate the wide world of emotions. Um, I tell Tara, I'm ESL, emotional second language. I'm not a native speaker, but I'm learning the languages and customs. Um, But I had finally seen the darkness of my own heart and how the light of Christ overcomes it. I could stop pretending to be something I wasn't and point to Christ to be what I needed. My favorite verse is John 1, 5, and it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This verse gives me a lot of comfort, knowing that the light of God's love and grace overcomes even the darkest of sin. It gives me hope for my heart when I'm reminded of the darkness in my soul apart from Christ. A nearly fatal wound had landed on my life, and I struggled to make sense of God, myself, and my marriage in the years that followed. I knew God was real, and he was with me and for me, but I didn't know him well enough to trust him as fully as I needed for healing. I knew I needed to forgive David, but I did not have the spiritual maturity to do that well. So I lived in forgiveness very imperfectly. This looked like committing to David, but in moments of pain and struggle, making snide comments toward him and identifying him with his sin, reminding him how he had wounded me. As my flesh battled against the Spirit's work in me, God asked me two questions that began to soften and transform my heart. First, he asked, how much of me do you want to know? Philippians 3.8 says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He challenged me not to limit my experience of him by seeking simply to avoid pain. Loss and learning to forgive would draw me closer to the heart of God. Second, he asked, how much are you willing to endure for the sake of another person's soul? Hebrews 12.2, Christ endured the cross, despising the shame for the joy that was to come. That joy was the salvation of mankind. He reminded me that he didn't enjoy the pain of the cross. He despised the shame of it all. But he humbled himself, and he endured endless losses to ensure that I could be restored in relationship with him. The justice that I was looking for is on the cross. Christ paid for sin. I forgive because I am forgiven. God humbled my heart to see my own need for forgiveness and to receive his grace-filled love. So now I had what I needed to forgive David. As Tara and I started to stabilize, we felt like a unicorn in our church. We were not aware of any other couples that had survived infidelity like we had. We were grateful to God, but we were, lo- we were lonely. We, committed, uh, we continued to fight and argue regularly because of our personality differences, but neither of us was threatening to leave. We were staying, but we felt frustrated about it, to be honest with you, because there were still many signs of our flesh ruling us. Um, those were painful reminders of the ways that we had hurt each other, which intensified the current hurt. We had to learn to go to God with those hurts because we were still not very safe for each other. 
I also continued to numb my pain with porn and hide it for a period of over two years after that. Proverbs 26.11 says, Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. And I was that dog. I finally confessed to Tara, and she felt betrayed all over again. I felt so ashamed. I knew better. And there were more confessions even after that. But she forgave me again. Who was this woman, and where did she learn to forgive like this? The love that Tara showed me, um, starting at my infidelity and continuing through all these confessions that lasted for many years, to be honest with you. It was the first time that I felt the tangible love of Christ. I was convinced that I was not lovable, and she was proving me wrong. It was the love that I had craved my whole life. I knew it wasn't just her, and I received it as a gift from God. So if you fast forward to 2015, our church allowed us to start a marriage discipleship class for couples in crisis. We led that for two years, and then we launched Reengage at our church in 2017. We felt so much redemption in that because of where we had been and, and how God was using us. We felt completely utilized in all our giftings and thought that we would do that for many years. But God had other plans. Although God had done a real genuine work in my heart and was changing me, the truth is I still had been living in my sin a lot longer than I had been living in dependence on Christ. So in moments of pain and struggle, I was about 60% still responding in my flesh and only about 40% in the power that was offered to me by the Spirit. For example, I would often find a way to justify my poor choices or words by blaming David, thinking, I wouldn't respond this way if you weren't this way. When David would confess coping with porn, I would respond with my fears rather than the truth God had taught me. I knew that David was not my enemy, and we were a team fighting the common enemy of sin. I knew that David was grieved over his sin and wanted to be different, just like I wanted to be different. I knew God was calling me to love and care for David in his moments of struggle rather than letting my fear lead me. While David was responsible for his choices that he made, I was coming to understand more fully how I contribute to the challenges in our marriage. I was letting my emotions dictate my words and actions more than Christ. I had many moments of, why do you still act like this? I wanted knowing better to result in being and living better. That's just not how it works. I had to learn to let go of my desire to get things right and simply surrender to God's love for me just as I am. I had to learn to embrace continually being in process, which I hated. I struggled to trust David, and God was really kind to teach me that nowhere in the Bible does he ever tell me to trust another human. Thanks, God. He asks me to trust him. So we both learned to trust each other again by trusting God in each other. David and I came to accept the reality that we were capable of hurting each other in the same ways and even worse ways. Again, we would only be as strong as our deepest dependence on Christ each day. In 2018 and 19, God moved in some really clear ways in our life and showed us that he wanted us to move to Dallas, Texas. We weren't expecting it, but we followed him. Uh, 
And to be honest, we still haven't figured it out. Maybe somebody in this room needs to hear this story tonight. Since moving here, I have really struggled. I love being outside and in nature. So like I said, I've really struggled here. Uh, In Georgia, my life was familiar, easy, and comfortable. I have none of that here. Uh, But in in the past four years, God has grown me almost as much as he did back in 2007 and 8. He's showing me that I was more dependent on my surroundings, comfort, and routine than him. He doesn't want me to try and recreate that life here. He wants me to deepen my roots in him. So I'm feeling the loss of all those things, but I'm feeling him with me at the same time, and that's comforting. Tara and I still still fight because we still have very different personalities. If you spend any time with us, you will quickly pick up on that. Uh, But I have learned to own my part without being defensive, and she can even have a bad mood without it being about me. That was revolutionary for me. Uh, The love, grace, and forgiveness that we give to each other, we don't take it for granted. My flesh is not eradicated. It's just controlled by the Spirit. You may be wondering why you found a white heart-shaped sponge on your seat tonight. We think the sponge is a great analogy for our hearts. Just like a sponge fills up with whatever it's soaked in, our hearts also fill up with whatever they're soaked in. For years, I was soaking my heart in porn, lust, pride, bitterness, and more. So when life got tough and started wringing me out, it's no wonder that adultery, anger, and unforgiveness came pouring out. But likewise, when I started listening to God, asking him for help, fixating on him instead of myself or Tara, it's no wonder that love, forgiveness, and self-control came pouring out. I'll tell you this, before you get in the middle of your crisis, you are doing the work now with how you will respond. You are soaking right now in the ways that will come out of you when life gets tough. And if you're in the middle of a tough situation, you're finding out that where your mind has been dwelling for the last five years is where you're responding right now. You do the work before you get in crisis. Romans 12, 2 says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. And Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the waters of life. So as I have walked this journey, at times I would tell God, I can't do this. And he would lovingly remind me that he has absolutely no expectation that I could. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 through 24 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, body, soul be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. God showed up for us in so many moments when we wanted to give up, and he still shows up each day and continually saves us from ourselves. So now we are the kind of people that share really, really openly with each other about our daily thoughts and temptations in a way that diffuses their power in us. Neither of us live under the delusion that we've got this. We live in constant dependence on God for every victory in our hearts and minds. Obedience is not what changes us. 
Obedience is how we position ourselves for the continual work of God in our hearts. We are still tempted in a lot of the same ways. The temptations don't change, but God's power at work in us continues to increase, and we gain more strength as we spend each moment looking to him for our salvation. We are enjoying some of the sweetest years of our marriage right now, and we do not take that for granted. In fact, we frequently pause in moments of joy together and savor it as we remember how close we were to throwing it all away. The Lord has proven himself faithful and forgiving, and we are so undeserving. There's a song that we just love that says, if my heart could tell a story, if my life would sing a song, if I have a testimony, if I have anything at all. No one ever cared for me like Jesus. His faithful hand has led me all this way. And when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on the earth, let it be known in him alone my joy was found. No one has ever cared for us like Jesus. And we just love telling everyone that's willing to listen. So thank you for letting us share. <laughs>